0: This is episode 219 of the Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts podcast. This episode is titled Understanding Cast Iron with Ned Adams. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts the mostly self-explanatory show about stuff we'd like. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden. This show is a reboot of Dear Discreet Guide, which ended with 202 episodes at the end of year 2020. So thank you for joining us in the new show. I'm excited to see where this new adventure will take us. I'm really thrilled to have a new guest with me today. Ned Adams is with us. And today we're going to be talking about cast iron. So welcome to the show, Ned.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Okay, I'm going to give a little bit of introduction that comes from Ned's website, which is called Dutch Oven Daddy. And he gives a little background here. Also, we'll get more from him in a few minutes. He says, Dutch Oven Daddy is the happy result of a gifted cast iron skillet and meal prep for a family member recovering from surgery. Sounds like a story there. The desire to keep track of the recipes created brought Dutch Oven Daddy into existence. As these things go, the randomness of the internet allowed DOD to flourish as did my love and appreciation for cast iron. Since that first skillet, my activity in the cast iron community has grown, which is how I found Ned. I love to educate others on not only how to cook with it, but how to care for it, along with the benefits of using cast iron. Dutch Oven Daddy not only develops online content, but also has had multiple television appearances woohoo and taught many cast iron focused classes. I love everything about the multi-generational durability of cast iron. So tell us first how you got interested in cast iron.
1: Wow yeah so that's a that's a really good question and I love talking about this. This is one of my favorite things because it was an accident. Ah. I was gifted a skillet. I really didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> I also uh, received a Dutch oven from my parents, a uh, cast iron Dutch oven. Again, I had no idea what seasoning was. I didn't know anything. I grew up cooking for myself in college and helping in the kitchen. It was just basic stuff, right? It was the college ramen and the
0: mm. you know,
1: basic stuff, but I wasn't I wasn't like culinary whatsoever. And anyway, I, I got these um, skillets. I got the skillet from my mother-in-law and I got the the Dutch oven from my, from my parents. And immediately I'm like, okay, what is seasoning? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I started digging around on the internet and figured out what seasoning was, started cooking, burnt a lot of meals. But w- what really triggered the whole blog and and the, Dutch oven daddy side was uh, my mother-in-law. She had an issue overseas where she broke her leg and um, she came back, had surgery, had, you know, got fixed up and uh, we, we live pretty close to them. And uh, we went over there every Sunday and started cooking meals for her. So she could have the leftovers and not have to worry about cooking through the week and just something to help them out. My wife's siblings would come over and it ended up being kind of a Sunday fun thing to do. Uh-huh. And I started putting the recipes online just uh-huh. for my own benefit to understand what I've cooked. And, you know, I was trying things. I was burning bread. I was doing all sorts of <laughs> things. Like it was, it was a lot of work, a lot of learning and not knowing what I was doing. But once that didn't work, I tried something else. And so, one day, my brother-in-laws were, uh, I have a really good relationship with them. And they um, were joking around on one of the Sundays that we were cooking. And they were talking about, like, who's your daddy? It was just kind of a joke.
0: Ah, and, right.
1: And I was like, uh, somehow, it, it slipped out that, uh, who's your daddy? Who's your Dutch oven daddy? And that's where the name came from. I'm also a father of uh, of two children, and so it kind of just really fit me. So that, that's how that came about. The, the amazing thing to me was that the recipes started being viewed, and I was like, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I never thought I would ever do a blog or anything related to that. I, I'm a computer nerd, and that's kind of what I do for, for a living, and so... That wasn't even on the radar, but it it quickly became on the radar.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of resources on the website. So we should clarify for the audience, when we talk about seasoning cast iron, uh, we're actually talking about a process of restoration or maintenance. We're not talking about like salt and pepper or uh, yeah, all the different spices that you might use. But yeah, just to make that clear that when Ned's talking about seasoning, he's talking about taking care of cast iron. So I do have that right, right?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's what I had to figure out initially, like seasoning. Oh, is that salt and pepper? No, that's not. Right.
0: So (laughs) so so tell me about now. Are you kind of a collector or do you not own very many pieces or sort of (laughs) where are you at in your journey?
1: Oh man. Yeah, I'm a collector. Okay. I, I have more pieces of cast iron than I probably should. I lost track, but it's it's upwards to 200 plus pieces. Oh, like okay. Yeah, it's probably a, an addiction at this point, I'm sure.
0: You know, it's funny. My sister-in-law got interested in cast iron, I guess. And there's just so much of it around I think she tends to be a little bit of a collector anyway, but oh my gosh. Yeah. She just ended up with so much cast iron, but a lot of it was not seasoned. And so, yeah, we just ended up with this huge collection of, yeah, some of it was okay, but some of it not so good, but yeah, it's easy to acquire cast iron right now. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I don't know if people are just getting rid of it or there's just a lot in circulation because there's also seems to be a rise in the interest in cast iron. So I don't know. I feel like cast iron is just everywhere right now.
1: Yeah, I I think there's a combination of things that have gone on. I think the younger generation wanted something different than Teflon. Mm
0: -hmm. I
1: think that's one thing. I think people didn't know what to do with it was another thing. So they take their rusty grandma's rusty skillet and take it to donation or charity or whatever. And that's, I think why you see a lot of pieces out in the wild um, per se. I don't know. There's like a, I don't know how to explain this and I don't know if this is the right word, but there's a little bit of, maybe it's a little romantic to be able to, especially with camp ovens or Dutch ovens um, going camping off the grid cooking a delicious meal for a family um, family member you know loved one whatever and and having them enjoy that food that you cooked from charcoal in a in a dutch oven so or whatever the heating medium is but I don't know that's kind of romantic I would
0: mm-hmm. say yeah I think that's right we're having. Yeah, I mean, it's like nostalgia, right? In a way, nostalgia never goes out of fashion. But yeah, it, to me, it's really interesting how these old pieces, uh, kind of that way about a lot of things, a lot of a kitchen appliances or kitchen tools. We do, we're, we feel nostalgic or sentimental about them. I mean, it's all tied up with family, right? So that's a very yeah. powerful thing. <laughs>
1: well, and I think I think that's where the love of, it happens because i mean traditionally meals are shared with the family in the kitchen Um, i mean that's not always the case but there's there's an interesting bond that food can bring to others and um, it's one of the things that i really enjoy doing that's part of why i love cooking in cast iron is because seeing someone's face that i love Enjoy a meal and get satisfaction out of that gives me satisfaction. And I don't know, there's something magical about it.
0: Mm-hmm. It's very powerful for sure. Okay, mm-hmm. let's talk about the benefits of cast iron. Like, what applications are really good in cast iron? And what things do you think actually we have more modern tools that work better at?
1: Cast iron's been around for a very long time. I mean, even before modern cooking tools. And so in my mind, everything can be cooked in cast iron. Mm. That includes like tomato-based um, meals that have, you know, acidic foods, mm. fish, you know, whatever it may be. I, it, there's really no limit in in my opinion. And I think you'll get different differing opinions there, but cast iron has been around forever. Uh, you take care of it and it'll take care of you.
0: Mm. So, yeah. So you don't really have anything where you're like, ah, I guess I'd probably put that into a different kind of pan.
1: No, um, I think it's actually really interesting because um, like like a slow cooker
0: uh-huh.
1: is pretty much the same as a Dutch oven on low temperature. Um, mm-hmm. Those are the, relatively the same type of cooking methods in a way. I think where cast iron really shines though, and and you hear about this a lot is is searing steak and meat. Mm -hmm. Um, You get a nice like grill marks and I don't know, nothing better than a really good steak in cast iron.
0: Okay. So most of us are familiar with the cast iron skillet. Are there foods that you think are most successful in a cast iron skillet or cast iron in general?
1: Again, like steak and meat are very, very popular searing that doing like reverse sears, which means like you you use an oven in in that cooking method or or whatnot. Yeah, I can't remember the origins of reverse sear. I don't, I'm not sure where that came from, but it really works well. (laughs) I do know that.
0: You know, I get the sense that as people are using cast iron more, we might see this in our recipes, that people are incorporating activities in their recipe that really is best done by cast iron. I'm not sure. Uh, I just, yeah, I kind of wonder yeah. how widespread cast iron usage is getting to be now.
1: Yeah, I. it's really interesting. I, I think there's a, a fairly wide community. Uh, I I'm involved in several of them on, on social media and, and uh-huh. elsewhere on the internet. And those, those groups are growing very quickly. I, I think, again, it goes back to people are intimidated by it. Um, mm-hmm. So they're trying to learn and people want to want to grill steaks and mm-hmm. people know about that. And that, I think overall, it's a general learning. It, it might even classify it as a relearning
0: right to, to be honest.
1: Um, and so I, I don't, I don't know what sparked the relearn, but it's really fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see it all develop. That's for sure. So tell me about some of the unusual cast iron pieces that you've encountered.
1: Oh, well, that's, that's a huge topic. <laughs> There's a lot of pieces that I have. I mean, some are more rare, some of them are more modern, but my favorite pieces are the ones that have a history to it, at least that I know the history of. Um, I have several family heirlooms that I've uh, received. I've been able to restore those and um, make them, quote, new again. And those are by far my favorite pieces just because I know the sentimental value and the generational use mm-hmm. that it's gotten.
0: Do you find that people, now that they know that you're the cast iron daddy or the Dutch oven daddy, that they bring you pieces and sometimes you're not that happy to see them? Like, does that happen as you're sort of the cast iron person?
1: Um, I, I'm not sure what you mean by like not like to see them because, man, I cast iron is cast iron, right? Okay. But there's definitely pieces of cast iron that have more value than others. There's all sorts of makes and models per se, different companies. There's current companies that are, have emerged trying to replicate the old style of cast iron. There's, you know, there's Lodge that's been around for ages. Yeah. So it, it, I think that's part of the fun collecting mm-hmm. side of it is is seeing a piece and going oh wow that's that's cool or oh that was made here or that was made there this is the manufacturer that's no longer in business mm. whatever it may be it, it, there's a lot to that and that that makes it fun
0: yeah right uh, each well it's the yeah it's part of the joy of collecting right each each item kind yeah. of has a story yeah. Uh-huh
1: it reminds me a little bit of like collecting baseball cards as a kid. Like mm-hmm. there's tops and Donruss and whatever, mo- like brand. I, I don't know. I, I've, I haven't collected baseball cards in a while, but that's, that's no different than cast iron. There's all sorts of different things.
0: So if people find a piece of cast iron in their uh, shed or in their garage or in their uh, relative's garage what should they look for to see if it's a quality piece?
1: Oh, it's going to depend. But the first thing I would do is is flip it over, um, look on the back side of it, see what it says. If it's unmarked, if there's n- not much on there, like, or if it has a name or whatever, whatever you can glean from it, do that first, and then you can. Do all sorts of things. I mean, you can utilize the internet, try to figure out what those markings mean. Um, you can join groups, ask questions. It, it's basically like a where's Waldo book per se. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if that's right, but
0: uh-huh.
1: you're taking a piece that you don't have any idea of and, and you're trying to glean information from it. And I think that's another part of collecting that is is satisfying for for people.
0: So let's drop some names. You mentioned Lodge. So is that a considered a high quality brand?
1: Yeah. So Lodge is awesome in the fact that they're in the United States. Mm. Uh, Their, their foundry is in Tennessee and um, they have been around since I want to say like 1888, late 1800s. Um, So there's modern Lodge, like, I mean, they, they obviously reinvent and they, you know, get new things and release new skillets and, you know, figure out new stuff, but there's also a vintage uh, lodge. And back in the day, they, um, you know, use different technologies and those are different and made differently in and, and different, you know, smoothness and, and whatnot. And those are really cool pieces.
0: So that's, it's interesting this idea of smoothness. So some of the skillets that I have are quite bumpy on the outside, and so yeah, what does that mean? Is that good, bad, nothing? What is it? It's, what is it's not
1: good or bad. It's it's more of a modern piece. Um, they don't smooth them out like they did um, oh. back in the day. Oh. Over time, that bumpy service. Uh, when you cook on it, it it's going to kind of smooth out because of the seasoning layers and everything else. So, um, I I would never ever recommend like taking a like a sander to it or uh, anything like that to make it smooth. It's it just doesn't really give a lot of benefit and it also affects the collector value in the future. So, um, just keep using it, keep cooking in it. If you have a bumpy piece, it's, it's just going to keep getting better. Um, like I mentioned earlier, um, the more you love the cast iron, it's going to love you back. So just keep Mm -hmm. using it.
0: I see. Interesting. Okay. So back to what I'm sure are questions that people have when they encounter a piece. So if the, if they find a piece and it's rusty or discolored, you know, should they get rid of it? What What's your advice for evaluating a piece that doesn't look, you know, the way it does on television or on your website?
1: <laughs> Again, it depends. A really very, very, very rusted piece may be subject to pitting and it may not be worth restoring. But with that said, sometimes you don't know. And mm. so the things to look for is if there's some, if there's cracks in it, okay. um, there's generally no real value collector okay. value to that. However, it, it may cook just fine, just depending on the crack, but mm. I, I don't know really how to explain that, but if there's cracks, I generally stay away from it.
0: I see. How can you crack cast iron?
1: Yeah, the, it's It's both difficult and easy at the same time. Oh, really? So if you take a a skillet off of the stove that you just cooked on and you run cold water through it, uh, the temperature difference could crack the the surface or all the way through. So when you're cleaning cast iron after you've cooked it, you want to take it from hot to maybe not as hot. I see. Uh, that way, it'll it'll be a little bit more resistant resistant to that cracking.
0: Oh, okay. What about things like I, I mean, these questions are just occurring to me now. Should we never put cast iron in a freezer, for example? I I don't oh. know why you would. But
1: good question. I was actually talking about that uh, last weekend or the weekend before. I um, I made a like a seven layer bean dip for the big game
0: uh-huh the big and game, yeah. <laughs> the big
1: game and uh-huh. i the recipe was a, is a family recipe of course but uh it called for putting the uh, skillet in a freezer and i was like okay I, i've heard of that before so let's let's try it and so i did it and it worked great there oh, was no okay. problem
0: so maybe the issue is just not um dramatic temperature changes.
1: That's correct. Yeah. I see. Yep.
0: And so you mentioned rusting and pitting, which now, now we're going to get into the chemistry part of the podcast <laughs> here. So, so rust is eating away at the cast iron, right? When it's sitting around. So p- by pitting, you mean it that the rust has actually altered the surface of the skillet or, or whatever, so if the rust has gone that far, then you're thinking, yeah, maybe that you can't put it back, right? You can't, rest- well, at least I think normal people probably couldn't restore it. So so that's when you're thinking, yeah, maybe let that piece go. Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, if there's a lot of pitting and if you can tell that it's been pitted, it's probably not worth your time. Because like you said, you can't really put cast iron back into the pan Unless you have some significant tools to do that.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh huh. Okay. So, one of the things that I was so thrilled about encountering your website was the instructions for the do it yourself uh, e tank that you have on there. So, yeah. So, tell me the whole story about how that whole thing came about. And I will include the link, of course, to the website in the show notes. And so, yeah, to my audience, you should definitely go check out this do-it-yourself thing, like chemistry and action in your garage. It's really cool. But yeah, Ned, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. So part of my uh, learning process for cast iron landed me in several different cast iron groups on the internet. And that's where I first learned about this electrolysis tank or e-tank and I did a lot of research, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, uh, I don't. This is really, really cool, but what? I don't know. And so,
0: it involves I, electricity. There's right. chemistry happening. Who knows what? Right. you Am might I be gonna, making a bomb in there. <laughs>
1: right. Am I gonna like electrocute myself? I don't know. But <laughs>
0: right.
1: um, so so I leveraged my dad. He has some experience with chemistry and, and, and he's a really, really handy guy. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna talk to my dad about this and we can figure this thing out together. I really wanted to make one cause I was getting pieces and then I, I wanted to remove the rust, you know, again, it was, it was research. So how, how do I do this most effectively? So I came upon the, the E-tanks and I. Talked to him for quite a bit and we came up with a plan. We made this e-tank. We got a manual battery charger. You put some uh, power wash through it, uh, in, in the, in the solution, Mm -hmm. in the water that you have, and you crank that up at a low voltage. So it's not going to electrocute you. Like I thought it was initially, (laughs) um, you can actually put your finger in it while it's going and you won't feel a thing again. Yeah, don't get electrocuted. That that's my biggest advice. Yeah. So we set this thing up and fired it up. And man, it works really well. Really? Uh, it's Isn't that really interesting? cool. Oh yeah, it,
0: gosh. Chemistry in like action, right? Yeah,
1: it's so cool. Um, you basically send a current through a, a solution, and again, I might screw this up, but like the way that the molecules and, and the chemistry again, um interact with the cast iron, it will pull off the rust and you'll basically have a, a skillet that has been stripped down to the bare metal,
0: Yeah,
1: which is really cool because that takes a lot of the elbow grease out of, out of the equation. Like you're not sitting there scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing to get that off. Um, most of it comes off on the first time, you know, again, depending on how bad it is, but a lot of it comes off the first time. Sometimes you have to do multiple rounds. Sometimes if there's a lot of carbon buildup or layers of seasoning or whatever, uh, you, you actually can hit it with easy off oven cleaner. And so sometimes you kind of alternate rounds mm-hmm. depending on the skillet, of course, and, and the condition that it's in, but ultimately you get a skillet that's stripped down to bare bones bare metal.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask if you don't use this shortcut using chemistry and electricity, are you just attempting to scrub away the rust? Is that our alternative method?
1: Yeah, there are those that that actually like use a sander or whatever, oh. but I I really highly discourage that just because of the collector value. I don't know. I I I don't trust myself with a sander and it alters the original, um, skillet itself. So I really shy away from that, especially when you have an electrolysis tank, because it takes the work out for you. You don't, you don't need to take a sander out. You don't need to do the elbow grease. Like I was talking about, you don't need to scrub and scrub and scrub. Um, but I do realize that not everybody has a place to put the, the e-tank so if scrubbing is what you need to do then that's great the easy off oven cleaner you can put that in a in a, a garbage sack you know that'll help get the the carbon off so the, there's definitely different ways to do it but i, I tend to stick with that cuz i think it's the most safe and it it maintains the structure of the cast iron the mm-hmm. best
0: yeah you're not actually altering the metal Uh, with the e-tank. So yeah, just to give the audience an idea. So the idea is to create a solution, as Ned said, and then run a, a current through it. So you're sort of reversing if if I've got this straight, you're sort of reversing the process of rust, and so what's really cool about the photos on Ned's website is that you can see the rust come off and go into the solution. So yeah, what an easy way, you know, non-labor way to yeah to use science to our advantage here. And so what he's done is suspend the cast iron pieces into this solution and then run the process through. And so does it, how long do you leave the pieces in there to try and get the rust off?
1: Uh, It depends. Again, I, I I apologize. It's not a yes or no answer, but. uh, (laughs) That's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's how life is. (laughs) Exactly. right. It
1: it depends on the piece, how rusted it is, Mm. uh, how effective it was all sorts of different things, but you can check it anywhere between an hour oh, two or 24 hours or even longer. Um, it's not really going to hurt the piece. I've pulled out a piece that's sat in there for a really long time, probably longer than I should admit, but sometimes life gets busy and mm-hmm. it's just the way it, it went down. So
0: have you found pieces that, We're just too awkward to run into it. Run through the e-tank. I mean, are there shapes that just are like, ah, this isn't going to work, right?
1: For the most part, no. Um, It just depends on how big you make the tank. Yeah. Um, If you make it smaller, you may have a tougher time putting like a griddle in there. Just depends on uh, on what you use to make it.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think of all of the cast iron pieces that I've encountered. It does seem as though all of them had a handle. Have you ever found any pieces that don't have a handle?
1: Um, so there's sometimes a handle. There's sometimes like a helper handle, which is the handle at the top. Yeah. Um, if it's a little bit bigger. I know Lodge and some other uh, manufacturers have made uh, dual helper handles, like so you could fit in a like a pellet grill or a pellet smoker. Um It just depends on on the manufacturer, really. But for the most part, there's going to be a handle.
0: Yeah, I actually really appreciate those helper handles. Some of these iron skillets, I mean, I love a big skillet because, I mean, that's one of the nice things about cast iron is that the heat is so uniform all across it. But, yeah, sometimes it's awfully heavy, those really big skillets, if there's a lot of food in there. Oh,
1: yeah. I. i had a a time where i was cooking uh and it was around the fourth of july and and i was doing it inside which was probably a dumb idea but i had a i think a 14 or 15 inch skillet and i had it was just like this huge cobbler and i was bringing that out of the oven and i almost lost it like it was it would have been very bad. And, I, and I'm glad I didn't, but I almost did. It was on the verge. <laughs> so yes, those helper handles are lifesavers sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've had people, yeah, I've had to call people into the kitchen and be like, can you hold one end of this? <laughs> yeah, for but sure. yeah, I mean it, it the the food does come out really nice. So it's worth it, even though yeah, is the, the pieces are heavy. They're oh yeah, yeah, it's intense. Yeah. Okay, once you've gotten the rust off of the cast iron, uh, now what do you do? What do you? How do you do the seasoning? What does seasoning do for you? And how do you do it?
1: So, yeah, I love this question because it's like, now what, right? Mm -hmm. And so, once you get that rust off, if you don't do anything, it's just going to rust again. So you have to protect it. Also, you want a nonstick surface on cast iron. Traditionally, it doesn't necessarily have that, so that's what the seasoning helps with. And you want to do it really fairly quickly after you pull it out of the electrolysis tank. Okay. Um, sometimes you'll get some really quick, like they call it flash rust. Um, sometimes that that can happen as you pull it right out of the uh, electrolysis tank. Basically, rust comes right back on it really quick, mm-hmm. and so. You you really want to season it as quickly as you can after you pull it out. Okay. Um, obviously, dry it, get it nice and dry. Sometimes even uh, you may want to put it in the in an oven for a little bit um, just so it gets really dry, and then start that seasoning process.
0: Okay. And so, yeah, how do you season it What What are we doing?
1: Yeah. So this is this is the the question that you'll hear all sorts of different answers for. Um, and, and this is part of the learning process that I had to go through in my whole journey. You can season with all sorts of different oils, whether it's canola, vegetable, flaxseed, avocado, uh, all sorts of different oils. And each one's going to vary. the The temperature that it polymerizes at is different. So, uh, like vegetable oil is different than like avocado. It's got a, a different um, temperature that it it'll polymerize on or at.
0: What does polymerize that mean?
1: So you're basically. So this is a little bit more chemistry.
0: Yeah, um, sounds like it. <laughs> you're
1: You're taking a fat. And you're polymerizing it into basically a different substance. It's not, it's no longer a fat. It's more of a, and I hate to use this word, but more of a plastic type, but it's not plastic. I, that's a horrible word to explain it, but, Uh um, it polymerizes that, that fat. Okay. Um, I can probably get into more chemistry another time, but, um, it changes the the structure of the fat.
0: Uh-huh.
1: we'll We'll go with that. yeah. um, and so it it bonds to that that metal.
0: Oh. And
1: um, you basically take multiple layers of that um, polymerized fat, and that's what gives you the seasoning.
0: Okay. So we put a little oil on it, take it up to a certain temperature. And that changes the nature of the oil. So now it's stuck to the cast iron. Right. And then you can, you can keep doing that. You can keep making these layers. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so sometimes you, you'll see, oh, this, this piece of cast iron was seasoned three times or three layers or five or, you know, whatever that count is, um, but you also have manufacturers that pre-season and yeah, that's, that's a whole nother discussion.
0: I see. (laughs) but Yeah. So do you tend to do that heating up on top of the stove or in the oven?
1: Uh, You can do it both ways. I tend to do it in the oven just because I'm kind of lazy in a way I can set a timer in the oven and, know that it's done at a certain point, uh, with the stovetop, you can do it. Doesn't take as long, but you have to really pay attention and watch. And so I, I wouldn't recommend that if you've never seasoned before, mm. um, I, I would do it in the oven. That's just a per- personal preference.
0: And when, so how long, give me an idea of how long in the oven it needs to stay.
1: Yeah. Again, that, that depends on the oil and what you're using. Um, okay. I actually, through this whole process, um, ended up uh, partnering up with a couple friends out in North Carolina, and uh, we developed a seasoning product that we really enjoyed and really enjoy. And uh, for that product, it's uh, 480 to 500 degrees um, for for one hour. Yeah. That's high smoke point oils. Yep. Oh, and okay. so you do that three times, three layers, um, and you should be good to go. Uh, wow. that, that, yeah, that product's called buzzy wax. Um, uh-huh. and it, it's amazing that this whole journey, uh, from cast iron ended up, um, you know, spawning that off too, but.
0: So that product buzzy wax, you've deliberately chosen, um, oils or, or products that won't smoke at being in the oven for that long at that high of a temperature. Is that, is that right? So
1: you get it over what's called the smoke point, which is the temperature I was talking about earlier, but the, the buzzy wax product that we developed um, also has a combination of beeswax in it. And so it's oh. beeswax and oils and you, you get it really hot and it polymerizes really well.
0: Cool. When you pull it back out, when you pull the piece back out of the oven, is there residue on it? Do you have to clean it off or is it all gone?
1: No, it's it's ready to go. It's polymerized. It's, cool. There's nothing that you're going to wipe off. Yeah.
0: Interesting. That sounds great. And so where can people find Buzzy Wax?
1: Uh, you can find it at BuzzyWax.com. Uh, oh, B-U-Z-Z-Y. Okay. W-A-X-X. So it's wild spelling. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You can also find it on um, Amazon and um, Etsy and all of, you know, there's, there's several outlets there as well.
0: Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. I, yeah. The whole seasoning thing, you know, I think that's true of a lot of cast iron in general, right? These, there are multiple answers to these things. And so it becomes very, um, almost like a difference from region to region or family to family, how people do things. which is kind of true for a lot of things about cooking, I guess. But yeah, the whole seasoning thing to me has been sort of like, well, I don't know. I put some oil in there and yeah. Right. <laughs> and, I, and
1: I think that's where the intimidation and the, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what, what should I really do, um, comes into play. Like, you have this skillet that is rusted, whatever, and it, it feels so daunting to be able to get that back into cooking shape and seasoned. And uh, yeah, you start looking at it as a whole instead of in the individual pieces and it, it becomes very, very intimidating, very quick.
0: Yeah, I think I think you've really put your finger on it, which is really why I wanted to do this podcast with you because I just have this sense that a, there's a lot of cast iron out there. People are encountering it, especially as you know our older generations are are uh, are passing, and so things are emerging right from their kitchens or their sheds and garages. And then, yeah, there's just a whole world of cast iron out there, which, as you say, can be pretty intimidating. Do you get a lot of inquiries from people who are? finding cast iron and are contacting you to be like, is this good? Should I keep this? What do I do?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, That's really where those cast iron groups uh, Mm -hmm. on the internet, um, social media have come into play. Uh, Those are really good groups. Um, I'm actually one of the admins, well, admins of, of a couple of them. And so I really encourage um, people to, to go to those groups hmm. and the answer can be uh, crowdsourced per se. I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, there, there's a really great community online that can help. And I'm part of that community.
0: Yeah, that's neat. Any groups in particular that you are fond of?
1: Oh, yeah. So um, I manage several. Uh, the the two, two biggest ones uh, are called Cast Iron Community. And then there's also cast iron community recipes group. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are those are ones that I help run. Um, and then there's a third one. If you're looking for cast iron to buy, there's a cast iron community sales group. And so that that one's dedicated just to, to selling. But um, and are
0: those Facebook groups? Or... Yes, those
1: are Facebook groups. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure if I can say Facebook on a podcast. So, but you, yeah, the,
0: you can. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, you can. We're, we're a very open-minded podcast. You could say Facebook on here. Okay, perfect.
1: <laughs> great. <laughs> cool. But yeah, those those are really good uh groups to go to. A lot of information, uh a lot of really good people, uh, a lot of people that are enjoying really good food. Uh it's it's a great it's a great community.
0: Nate. Yeah. That's really neat to have a topic like this. Pull people together. Yeah. share. And again, you know, as we said before, share their stories, share their family history. That's really neat. So what about people now who are listening to podcasts? They're like, that's it. I'm going to get some cast iron, but they don't have any old sheds or garages or relatives that are passing away. So if you're just, brand new into this what are what are good places to look for cast iron
1: so it it, it, again can i say depends
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's been the the word for this (laughs) podcast yeah i'm I'm gonna sponsor the word depends
1: (laughs) on this um on this one but um if you're looking at collecting uh you can go all over the place uh yard sales, whatever.
0: Like rummage sales. Yeah,
1: sales. rummage sales, yard sales. I wonder sales. about
0: estate sales. I, estate I would, sales, yeah. yeah I th- think that might be. Know,
1: those types of things. But if you're just like, I want to cook a really good steak or a meal for my family, whatever it may be, go to a, a Walmart or a Target or a oh. whatever store you have near you. I mean, even an outdoor store, like a Sportsman Warehouse or whatever's close, go buy you a 10 to $20 modern skillet and start cooking.
0: (laughs) So you can buy, uh, and at that price point, that's amazing to me. So you can buy cast iron at regular big box stores like that. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, I've never looked. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: in the cooking section, you'll see, um, a little small section of cast iron and, I mean, you could even um, you can get the traditional like skillet that needs to be seasoned. You can also get like an enameled uh, cast iron like Dutch oven, which is
0: uh, yeah that bonded with seen. glass.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there, there's a ton of options out there, and it just depends on how deep you want to get into the cast iron universe.
0: Uh huh. And so those modern, um, you think they work fine? The ones oh yeah you buy. they're mm-hmm.
1: great um okay. the the thing i love about going to get one of those skillets is it's anywhere between 10 and 20 bucks yeah
0: and amazing. that
1: that skillet will last you again generations
0: amazing. and you
1: can start your own generation right like start uh-huh. at generation one and pass it down to your kids and they can pass it down and you can just start that whole tradition so I uh, I wouldn't ever shy away from just going to a big box store and and, and purchasing one.
0: Okay. That's interesting. When I was uh, preparing for the podcast, I did go on Craigslist and look to see if there was cast iron for sale. And oh my gosh, the prices were shocking. I was amazed at how much people are charging for old cast iron.
1: Yeah. It and it again depends on those markings and and the the model and the make and you know whatever. Uh, that cast iron is, it'll it'll affect the value. But yeah, I I think prices have shot up quite a bit since the resurgence.
0: I see. Can you put a date kind of on when you feel as though people started getting interested in cast iron again?
1: Um, I'm not sure I could put a date on it in general, but I think if I remember correctly, I started this in 2014 or 15. I I can't remember exactly, but if I joined it and figured it out, then there's probably others that were doing the same thing at the same time. So I, I don't know. I don't know how how to put a date on that, but that's, that's my date. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm trying to think when I first became aware of my sister-in-law getting interested in cast iron. Yeah. I feel like it might've been a little earlier than that. Like maybe it was more like 10 years ago, but it's a fairly recent, you know, it's a fairly recent thing. I, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us today to talk about this. I was really looking forward to talking about cast iron Uh, So I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. And before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience? Any resources you want to refer them to or really anything at all?
1: Just have fun. Like, Ah. don't take it like too serious. Like, ultimately, you want to cook in cast iron or collect or whatever it may be in the cast iron space. Have fun this is fun. Um, if something doesn't work, try something different and just keep it fun. And I think you'll enjoy it a lot when when you keep that in mind.
0: Good. Well, thank you so much. And as I say, I'll um, include some links in the show notes uh, so that people can get hold of you or find uh, Buzzy Wax and uh, other resources that you have available. So thank you so much again.
1: Yeah, thank you again for having me. It's It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional information about this episode. And give us a like or a thumbs up on Podomatic or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love to have your support on Patreon. And get in touch. We'd love to hear from you through the internet or Twitter or whatever means works for you. And finally, thanks to Caffeine Creek for the theme music.